0: Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney.
1: All right. Good day and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. So today, I am bringing back a repeat co-host. This will be her second appearance. And I'm excited to bring her back because we had a lot of great energy. And for the listeners who are regularly subscribing to the show... Uh, you'll know who I'm talking about because she was recently aired on episode 203. She's an author who's actually inspiring my author projects as well because her book is called The Conscious Communications, a little hint of what today's show may be a little bit about. And uh, But last time she was on the show, we talked about neuroscience and spiritual cleansing and uh, her trip to Peru. and It was a, a very different business lifestyle podcast that we aired. So without further ado, her name is her brand, Mary Shores, welcome back to the show. Hey, Scott. So happy and
0: excited to be here today.
1: Yes, I am glad we're reconnecting, and we were just chatting as usual. We ended up like burning off like five minutes before even getting the show going. And and uh, I love the fact that you are still doing a podcast and you're sort of kind of under the weather, right? Like do we have a little <laughs> bit of that voice thing going on. Oh yeah. Yeah. Isn't that fun?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's totally. I uh, started off with some, what I thought was allergies. And then after a couple of plane rides, it sort of exploded into a head cold and the planes never help scale. with that.
1: They never do. They're, they're
0: not really good. I mean, you think about what are those, you know, if you take a bottle of water on a plane, what's it look like when you get to the other side and that's, what's happening to hmm. your brain and your body. It's like,
1: you know, squeezing and that's true. We are a walking bottle of water, if you so to speak, right? Seventy <laughs> percent of our uh, our mass is water. So
0: I've always thought I was a giant watermelon. I <laughs> ate enough of them as a kid.
1: <laughs> really, you were a big uh, watermelon geek. Oh, totally. Still am. Really interesting. I don't know if I really got obsessed with watermelon, but it's a weird fruit because it's literally just water. There's not a lot. It's it's water
0: and it's yummy and it's pink. (laughs) And when I was a kid, I believed that when I was little, like maybe six, seven, eight, nine, I believed that if I swallowed those seeds, I was going to become pregnant with a watermelon because, you know, watermelons sort of look like Hmm. a
1: big pregnant belly. I definitely never thought about that. Maybe because I'm a guy. Uh, but I did actually think, I think somebody actually was one of those like fairy tales where they're like, Oh, don't swallow the seeds or you could choke or die or your body can't digest them. I can't remember my childhood that much. I don't know. Uh, but I'm sure there was but, something, but yeah,
0: we world. were probably perfectly willing to swallow gum and drink through drink from water hoses.
1: I actually, I, I used to use them as uh firepower. We used to do the whole, uh, the seed spitting. Yeah. So just, like just load up a whole bunch of them and you start spitting them at each other. It was, that's
0: definitely a boy thing. Yeah,
1: totally got it. I mean. If you want to be really weird, I mean, when I was a kid on the farm, I mean, my brother and I used to throw manure at each other, so.
0: Oh my goodness. Oh yeah,
1: I mean, it's, 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 it's ammo. I mean, you got seeds, manure, it's a thing. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, I have a very unique childhood, so. Uh, but, but Mary, we're catching up. So before we fire up the show today, you mentioned that you love talking about communication because you don't even have to even think that much about it. Why do you say it that way?
0: you know what because that is what my true expertise is in so i know we had a lot of fun on the last show talking about lots of spiritual concepts but business communication is totally my claim to fame i just gave two speeches in florida at a medical conference on the concept of the communication code which is a business communication strategy that i wrote and have been training on for
1: 15 years wow and does that have a, is that isn't that kind of part of the whole conscious communications book as well
0: so you know it is and it isn't so it's it's really interesting because this this concept the communication code was what i was originally wanting to write about but i realized in quite a specific aha moment (laughs) because who i was wanting to publish with was hay house and i thought to myself Hey House is not going to publish a business book, you know, they publish spiritual and personal development books. So what I did was I took all every step and rule of the communication code, and I translated them more into personal development. So that's where conscious communication came from. It's basically like 20 years ago, I started with an idea. And it was, it was an idea that had the potential to change an industry, to revolutionize the collections industry, mm. to create connections in business that are just strong and impactful. And it became the, the framework that I used to build out the personal development concepts in conscious communications.
1: That makes sense. Well, I mean, you had, you had all that, the meat, right? Like you had all the ammo, you had all those years of talking about it, building it. Uh, it's interesting though, because we didn't really talk about that. We talked about the book and authoring and all that other stuff uh, last time a little bit. And that was one thing that stood out to me was I, I was very intrigued about how you really tailored your efforts I don't want to say satisfy Hay House, but just, I guess, make sure that your book was successfully picked up, I guess, right? Is that kind of a, You know, it yeah.
0: it is true, but it was also part of that inner desire that I had. You know, I think mm-hmm. that I think the universe works in all kinds of ways and I believe that that book happening the way that it did was exactly how it was supposed to happen. You know, okay. to get my to get my name out there. Also, I I had this other desire to get out of my comfort zone and get into the personal development space. You know, I I used to say often like I had this secret desire to be a motivational so I was already speaking and teaching workshops, but I was doing it on business communications. Well, but I was having so many people come to me and say, Mary, your workshop, it changed my life. It didn't just change my business, it changed my life. Mm-hmm. And so what I was doing is all of the concepts that are in conscious communications, I was sort of slipping them in there, you know, like, in my workshops, I was slipping them in, okay. in little in little poignant uh, places. And so people were getting that, but it wasn't the foundation of, of what I was really there to talk about, which was how to build trust and rapport and lasting relationships and communications based on my extensive research of neurology, psychology, and neurochemistry. You know, because every time we're communicating with another person, we're either serving to build a deeper connection in that that relationship or to drive a disconnection. Hmm. And when you, when you understand that certain words are going to have a triggering response in the, in the nervous system, you know, like if I told you that um, right after this call with me, you get to call like the cable company or the airlines. You know, some people panic because even just the thought of anxiety. having to call one of those places causes a lot of anxiety. Well, that anxiety comes from something being triggered in the nervous system. And, you know, especially like with, um, I, I, I do a lot of work in medical mm-hmm. and I just gave this talk and I started my talk out uh, in the beautiful uh, resort at Coconut, Coconut Point Hyatt in Bonita Springs, Florida. Sounds nice, I love Hyatts. It was a nice place to be, it was certainly <laughs> a treat. I have to tell you, there were waterfalls everywhere. Waterfalls and lizards and flamingos. I've never, that's the, that's the southernmost point of Florida that I've ever been to before. You know, I started this talk off and I said, I wanted everyone in the audience to uh, stand up if they love having some money. And of course, everyone stands up sure. because Everyone, you know, I mean, I'm not saying we have a love of money, but like we love having, we love the
1: concept of having some money. It's a means to an end, right? That's absolutely financial system. Right.
0: Right. And then I said, uh, sit down if you love debt and no one sat down, not one person. <laughs> so then I said, uh, stand up if you love going to the hospital And uh, everyone stayed standing. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, everyone sat down. Okay. They did not love going to the hospital. But what's interesting in, in healthcare is you're combining all of those things. You know, the uncertainty of no one knows how much this is going to cost. You go into the hospital, you you, rarely, are you going to know the outcome of your
1: financial. And it's usually higher than you could have predicted.
0: (laughs) And you don't, and it can be stressful getting insurance to pay for it. There's just lots of things going on also, you know, so it's, it's, affecting our our money it's affecting our debt and you know healthcare doctors and hospitals they're with us in the most vulnerable times in our lives i mean for for the majority of us we're, they're with us when we first take our our first breath mm-hmm. they're with us when we give birth they're with us in many cases when we pass away
1: you break they're your with- first bone or you Or in my case, like cut yourself or something.
0: (laughs) It is all of these very vulnerable situations. And, you know, a lot of times people have a chronic illness and we're vulnerable to the information that we're given and how it's presented to us and a million other things. And that's where I really got my start creating these, these strategies. I mean, it was my own company collecting debt. So 20 years ago, when I started my company, you know, I wanted to be different. I wanted my unique value proposition to be that I was using sales to collect this debt versus right. uh, using threats and intimidation. But the sales really failed because of a couple of reasons. And one of those reasons is that it doesn't address the shame and unworthiness that people feel by having a debt. And so
1: I can agree with that. I've, I've lived many years with debt and I, I've been on this aggressive campaign for the past year and going into 2019, it's like, get rid of it all, man. Like just whatever you got left just wipe it out, be completely free. So it's, it's become a symbolic for me, the emotion of freedom. Uh, So I'm sure that ties into some of you, the communication as you're hinting at here, like how we communicate around money. So.
0: Well, you know, I think it's really interesting. Like, I believe from the last show, we're around similar ages. And so that feeling that you have of carrying around that debt. I mean, even if it's not necessarily bad debt, but just the concept itself of being in debt. I love how you tie that to freedom because you don't really feel free if you have this indebtedness to another person or another company. But when people have debt, um, from what I have discovered, is there's this feeling of shame and unworthiness and like worthlessness. So what I mean is uh, my research shows people are less likely to apply for a mortgage. So if someone has, you know, from their own perception, too much debt, they'll they'll just assume that they'll get denied without even trying. Yeah. Another thing is they may not apply for the same jobs because many times jobs in today's world will check the credit report and people are afraid of what someone will see on their credit report. So they might not even apply for the same job. And then interestingly enough, um, in many cases, they won't even date the same person because if they have a debt, they don't feel worthy. Of- See,
1: you are hitting on me because my fiance grew up, I mean, CFO father, you know, like she was taught to never carry debt. I mean, that girl knows her money and proud to be engaged to her. And she's been a great influence on me. But in the beginning, five years ago, whew, I was not doing well with. I just saw this massive rift between us because I had debt and she didn't. Right. So it's like, Ooh, it's, it's taken me and it's still, it's still an issue for me. I I think psychologically, I think it's going to take years to get past that, but now it's become a goal now because now I'm not just doing it for me. I'm doing it for her. Like, let's wipe it out because she doesn't have any debt and I do. So it's like, okay, let's make it work.
0: I know from the last show, this this uh, wonderful, amazing fiance of yours has been the source of uh, a lot of motivation and growth in your life.
1: More recently, because again, the only reason why we're still together is because I finally started embracing vulnerability and softening the tough guy exterior and realizing that being vulnerable does not uh, breed weakness. It actually breeds strength. and. Through that process, I continue to bring the walls down and allow that growth to happen. So yes, I'm getting more woo-woo spiritual, but I know you and I are going to vibe on that because <laughs> it's part of who you are. So yes. yeah, it takes a special well, person. It,
0: it's, it's part of who I grew and, and became. But like, you know, so if you go back to that moment five years ago, when this, this thing about her not having any debt and her probably having certain boundaries and standards around mm-hmm. debt, and then you being, you know, probably not the extreme opposite of that, but not having that same point of view, you know, right then and there, there's a lot of guys who would have been intimidated enough to not move forward in that relationship.
1: It was uh, prior to our breakup. It, it was a, uh, because we, we broke up for three months, you know, and uh, well, I mean, she broke up with me, let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, it, but part of it was, it was like, oh, maybe this was meant to happen because we are so different. But then you got friends of yours who are happy to remind you, like, actually, you guys have a lot in common. You all do the same sports. You do the same things. The only big difference for you is you got to pull your head out of your butt and realize that maybe she has a few things to teach you when it comes to the money game. Now, granted, she is very frugal. So one of my excuses, you'll appreciate this, was always, oh, well, I, I've just taken more risks than you. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of a... It's kind of a dick thing to say. I mean, come on. I mean, she's an entrepreneur as well. She's a veterinary doctor. She's taken countless risks, you know, to grow a career, to do all that schooling and all that education. It's like God, like that's like the worst thing you could ever say, bro.
0: <laughs> well, but I can see where you would believe that. So I also don't have debt. I don't carry any any debt outside. I hope of not. Mine. You run
1: a company I that collects it. it. <laughs>
0: Well, but you know, not having debt, like I think that we don't need to have this perception of debt in our country, that it's a bad thing. There are plenty of times when debt is an investment and it's a good thing. Now, you know, there's a difference between, there's a difference between racking up debt because you have to buy the newest, whatever uh, technological gadget that's on the market, whether it's a TV or a four wheeler or whatever Um, there, there's that kind of a debt. And then there's debt that's very much an investment in yourself. So like, actually my, uh, Um, my strong opinions about debt early on probably were not serving me in the entrepreneurial game because there were many times that I might've needed a piece of equipment or an operating loan. And I just absolutely refused Mm. to do that. Now, of course it stretched my mind to come up with other solutions, but what if my company would be twice or three times the size that it is now, if I would have made different investments early on, you know, I remember a time, way back in the day, this was probably almost 20 years ago, where a lot of companies were investing in dialers and a dialer system, oh, like yeah. an automatic call dialer, an automatic call, call dialer system was like a 100 grand. And I thought, I mean, I was like 25. Are you kidding me? A $100,000 was like, it might as well have been a billion, right? Yeah. It didn't. Money is relative to the amount that you think is high. So $100,000 was unquestionably high and out of the question for me at the time. But interestingly enough, all these other companies were getting them and they were becoming successful using them, but the technology became outdated so quickly and now no one has an in-house dialing system and they all use outsourced companies. Yep. So in that case, my, my frugality or whatever you want to call it, my fear of debt served me. But there have been other times where maybe if I would have invested in a piece of equipment or a person, you know, with a higher salary, I might have gotten farther. But you know, it's the way we feel about that debt that is the important thing here.
1: I, I agree. There, there's there's depending on the person, there's a lot of there's different emotion tied to this. Like for right. Kristen, when she sees debt and she sees my debt, and it's, it's obviously going down, you know, I'm wiping it out, but it's like she sees that it, it freaks her out because of the way she was brought up. She's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you have this!" Like, it was it was like it was interesting seeing and observing her emotion. Like again, if this was years ago, if I if I saw how she would respond, I would have taken that as an insult. Uh-huh. But if anything, it's just no, no, no. You, be aware of what's happening right now. See how she reacts to that because it's a different emotion. Whereas when I looked at it as I justified it as. I was taking risks. I was trying to grow businesses. Hey, I'm investing in in this conference or this educational system. Like for example, I recently just invested, you know, three grand over three grand into a a mastermind, a self publishing mastermind group, and thanks to that, I've already crushed out twenty five thousand words for the book in Dang, in you go. two months. I went from talking about a book for two years, and last time you and I recorded to like trying to figure it out, and then. Like once I spend the money, I'm all in. (laughs) Oh, I remember giving you a huge green
0: light. And I remember even after we got off the show, talking for another 20 minutes or so, where I was like, okay, look, you got to do this book. Well,
1: and you said, because the best part was actually, I think it was, I was actually just listening to our show again Uh last week and you're like... Because I brought up the magazine, because I just got published again for the fourth right, right. fourth back to back issue. They've invited me back again to write again for December for the winter issue. And you're like, dude, you're you're already an author. Like, you know how many people wish they got published in any kind of magazine? And I just don't think that way because I'm so, I guess, critical about you know doing things. I I never called myself an author. And you're like, uh, dude, you've been printed in a magazine. You're an author. So get over it. Write a book. It's
0: true. <laughs> it's true. And 25,000 words is no small
1: thing. Yeah,
0: you, mean, know my ha- you know my
1: hack on that? I didn't write one word of it.
0: Oh, yeah? Tell me the hack, because maybe I'll steal it.
1: Otter.ai. It's an artificial intelligence app that voice transcribes. Oh, yeah. So, you know, that's totally what I do, too. Yeah, because I travel so much. So I was uh-huh. like, wait a minute. I'm a podcaster. Yeah, My fiance tells me I talk too much. Uh, Um, I'm traveling a lot and I'm like, okay, so download the app onto the iPhone, Bluetooth it through the car stereo uh, and bang out 15 minute chapters. I did the math and I figured out that the average 15 minute cycle, I can get at least a thousand to 1500 words. That's amazing. So granted, part of that was also helped by my coach from that community that I invested in. But the point is like, I have, I have a weekly coaching call and like this goes back to my justification for people who invest in masterminds and communities and everything else. Now, granted, she didn't like seeing me invest that chunk of money in the book process because she would like to see that go towards the debt reduction. But I said, well, I didn't charge it. I paid it. So there's no, there's no new debt coming in. It's just Mm -hmm. a pause in that potential wipeout factor. So so she and I still don't see completely on that. Cause again, I think there's that emotional factor. She sees the debt still, so but she wants to see that chunk of money go to that. And she doesn't understand the investment factor and you being an author understand that. It's like there is that solidification that happens. Like, okay, when you publish a book, it's it's a it's a game changer, whether you like it or not. I don't know. So I'm interested to see your your feedback on that this communication style.
0: <laughs> well, okay. So a couple of things. First, when I first made my, my original book proposal, I, for conscious communications, I actually recorded one of my four hour workshops and I used that to transcribe and turn into a book proposal. So in mm. four hours recorded material, maybe it was five. I didn't have enough content to write the entire book, but I had enough content to shape out the chapters, to yeah. have the the concepts all rolling out, which were all about this, you know, place where science and spirituality meet. So it was uh, turned out really, really well, and the book is the book is fabulous with the communication code. And this was really what I was an expert in. I determined. Um, Three rules and three steps of business communication, and it's really quite interesting because I did this in the laboratory of the debt collection business. So hmm. rule number one is we have a do not say list, and this is a list oh. of words that we never say. And so you put—I know you're going to put them on the whiteboard. I have to.
1: I have. To. I <laughs> wait, I got a whiteboard. Red. I have to use no, wait. it.
0: Wait, the, the the do not say words need to be read.
1: Okay. Well, I'm, all right. I'm We're with not you on saying that. them. Okay. So you're saying that they can't just be written down. They need to be spoken, right? Or not not be spoken.
0: That's right. So the list of words that we never say are no, not, can't.
1: I'm seeing a a common theme of negativity here.
0: Yeah, I know. (laughs) Okay, won't. However.
1: Oh, interesting. Really? Uh huh. Oh, uh huh. We're digging into that one.
0: Yeah, we can. And my favorite do not say list word of all, unfortunately.
1: Interesting. Okay. So I get, I get the unfortunately, but the however thing is interesting. So that's interesting. Why? I got all the other ones, but mm-hmm. why? However, is it because so, it, it creates a, a fluctuation or a lack of a commitment? Tense,
0: there's a tenseness to it. And I would say that the, the strategy that I developed is is most frequently and easiest to use in, in business communications. And however, is typically going to indicate some kind of bad news. Now, it could be one of those words that's either way, but I just want to assure you that there's better, more trust building. So there's words that are gonna trigger, and this isn't like a conscious thing, okay? This is that when you see the word or when you hear the word, it's, it, it triggers your fight or flight and it prepares you for an argument you know it puts you on the defensive or it lets you know something not favorable is going to happen and so however and unfortunately in in a lot of cases we've been conditioned to believe that those are empathetic responses and in reality they're 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 not you know so in a business situation if someone says those words more than likely you your body begins to expect bad news
1: okay so you yeah the whole fight or flight response i get it and it's is is it because it's just the way our English language has progressed throughout our, our time, and it's just yeah?
0: I think a lot of it is we're just taught to we're taught to communicate and in, in in ways that aren't necessarily effective. Hmm. Um, if you look at relationships today, a lot of issues are caused just from the ways we can communicate. You know, and some other things that I would put on the list, and a lot of people uh, get have a lot of questions about this, but in most cases, the words, I'm sorry, belong on the do not say list. Ah. And because now again, this is business situations, but what I would say about that is a lot of times in business, when people apologize, it's not really followed up with any kind of solution or what they're going to do to make it right. And also companies can fear apologies because we don't want to... We don't want to necessarily seem like we're creating a liability on ourselves because saying that we're sorry can be perceived by the consumer that we have, um, that we're taking accountability for some sort of mistake. So we want to really be careful with that one. So these words, even if the consumer is not aware of it, what's happening is these words are creating cortisol and adrenaline mm-hmm. in, the, in the body. It's causing this uh, adrenaline spike, this cortisone spike in the nervous system, which makes people a little bit out of the rational thinking centers in their brain. Now, I don't know about you, but I know I have completely lost my shit on innocent customer service reps in the past. And And I try and
1: check myself these days because I used to manage teams in customer service. I was in the call center world. I've I've trained people. I've developed them. I I was a coach. I coached customer service. I even was promoted into the save. We created a saves department to save customers. So this is after they're already pissed. Yeah. (laughs) So. Yeah, I've Let been on the inside, so I try and remember that coming in from the outside.
0: So that's so fascinating because I also came from a call center environment and having a collection agency is is definitely a call center. So mm-hmm. when you when you are doing those save calls, you know, I would um, a lot of times when I go into a company, I would say what is the number one reason one of those calls get transferred? to the save department. You know, I'm guessing that in many cases they were already going to cancel their service when they called and that original rep wasn't able to save the account so then it got
1: put to you. Yeah, because I eventually moved up in that in that company. This is T-Mobile actually. Uh, okay, it's a big big wireless company. And sure. uh, we I eventually moved into an analyst role uh, with 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 the headquarters. So I was doing more analytics, methods and procedures analysis and stuff like that as an analyst. But um, the years prior to that being on the front line, coaching, developing—you, you, we literally would. Dis- dis- what are the what are the cue words? Like they would actually okay. These are the words that when you start hearing them, get ready f- to follow the process flow to get them to the save queue. Right. They're on their so, way out. If you can't save them as a regular customer service rep, it was still your responsibility to try. But we have advanced trained people that are specialized in that. So mm-hmm. yeah. So each time
0: each time one of those original reps and my office manager used to work at AT AT&T and they were actually, they were actually um, trained to use the word. Unfortunately, it was actually required in part of their call monitoring to use that word. Well, unbeknownst to, uh, unbeknownst to AT&T, every time they would use that word, what's happening in the body of the consumer is they're gearing up for a fight. Now there are, there are certain words also. So rule number two is you want to replace those negative words with words that actually work to build a connection with the consumer. So just like there are words that trigger the fight or flight, there are also words that build confidence and trigger the opposite system. Yeah. So the paras- they, they trigger the parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest. You know, I love talking about the nervous system because this whole concept of the, the do not say list um, and the way that it triggers the nerve. System. See, the human body doesn't understand the difference between a real threat no. and a perceived threat. So we're going to react as if something's a real threat, even though it isn't. So it's like what we also don't quite get is that the reps that are on the phone, so those people that, that you are coaching, they're also in a low level fight or flight mm-hmm. because they've got people calling in and bitching they're, they're at bombarded. them they're bombarded with it daily. all day, every yeah. day. So this is like now you've got two people inside of a boxing ring, both trying to be right both trying to get their needs met, both trying to get to the end of that call, but neither one of them are accessing the right part of their brain to be able to come up with that solution. And this is why your department even existed in the first place. We had to. and Exactly. exactly.
1: It's cheaper to save a customer than to market and sell and acquire a new one. I wish Verizon
0: Wireless knew that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Which, again, they've been around longer than everybody. How do they not understand this? Um, I will say, I, I, I do give props to companies like T-Mobile. They, uh, they tried to always stay edgy. Their marketing is very aggressive. They're very young and hip. And uh-huh. they invested, oh God, when they, they got rid of our managerial titles and moved this into coaching roles, um, we, we, I spent a week in Nashville, Tennessee. I remember this. They, they flew in all the managers, all the coaches, from, all, at, from 11 different call centers and they dumped us into a full one week immersion into learn how to behaviorally analyze and behaviorally coach people and you're not just managing them okay you need to yeah. understand communication and emotion and this is just from one on one from a from a coach to an employee because then that also manifests into their frontline performance, how they communicate to the other fellow human being on the end of the phone and all that. So it's, it's yeah, so I, true. It was a great you're, experience. So you're the
0: perfect person for me to have this conversation with. <laughs> so we, what we want to do is you want to replace those words with words that actually work to build a connection with the consumers. So like, for example, what if every time you wanted to say, unfortunately, you just instead, instead said, fortunately. Mm-hmm. Now I know that sounds crazy, but here's the thing when you, and I was on a show with another podcaster that had done some research on me. She used my system on one email and she made $4,000 from one email because when she pushed herself to eliminate the word, unfortunately, her brain was forced to come up to it with a solution to the problem. So just like Tony Robbins says, and a lot of people say, the moment you kind of put that no you put the brakes on the reticular activating system part of your brain that's going to come up with the solution. So by eliminating these negative words, you're actually empowering your staff to be able to come up with solutions on their own. Mm-hmm. Now they already understand. Like I I taught a uh, webinar and a woman emailed me later in the day and she said, you're absolutely right. Because every call that got transferred that day was because the, the rep was reciting policy
1: yes. to the
0: consumer yes. and, the pol- and let me tell you something. Reciting policy is never going to make you a friend ever.
1: No. So You're just coming you know, across as a human robot.
0: Yes. No, I'm sorry. Our policy is yada, yada, yada. And she said, as soon as I was able to get control of the conversation and bring it back, bring the talking points back to what's in the agreement instead of the policy, she was able to get payment every time. But it was very interesting that she was now aware, wow, every single one of these calls, there's the same pattern. And so there's words that will activate the hormones that we want activated, which is like vasopressin, oxytocin, serotonin, and dopamine. There's words, you know, sometimes in customer service, you get that one person on the phone who like, without a doubt, you know, this is the person who's can handle your business. And then the moment you get that person, what you do is you emotionally let go of the situation. You're able to breathe this sigh of the relief. The moment you breathe that sigh of relief, your parasympathetic is is activated. Now your parasympathetic means you're taking blood and you're putting it to those good, healthy parts of the brain that allow you to um, come up with solutions. And then the third rule, and this is just so simple, I can't believe I'm the one who's out there saying this to everyone, but it's so true. Always tell your customers, your clients, your consumers, your significant other, whoever you're communicating with, always tell them what you can do instead of constantly telling them what you can't do.
1: I, and like, that this was my seems so simple, yeah.
0: but no one does it. No. If you listen yeah. to call after call, after call, after call, like I do, um, you just hear recording after recording of them saying everything that they can't do again, because we're conditioned to respond. If somebody asks us a direct question, can you do X, Y, Z, and the person can't do it. They're going to immediately say no. And then, as soon as they say no, now this consumer's fight or flight is triggered, and it's and the conversation is going to go into weird places. Like, well, why can't you do it? And you know, then they start reciting policy, so it just leads you down a rabbit hole where there's no positive solution. Oh, we but if we, you-
1: we used to record all of our calls. We recorded them all. We had a quality assurance department, but then even though QA is doing their analysis, me as the coach, I'm also doing my analysis on the calls. And the common thing that I can still remember to this day, and this is. I left that company in 2006, so that's 12 years ago. Um, time flies. Um, was that 12 years ago? 12, yeah. Anyway, uh, it was something as simple as, well, great. Please stand by. Uh, let me see what I can do for you. Right. That, I never that said makes it a I can't. No, I'm, ask, I'm asking for per- per- permission. I'm giving them some power. That's the other thing. You give the person a little bit of power. It's like, hey, is it okay if I look into this for you? Uh, I I want to dig deeper for you. I'm not giving, even though I know, even if we know, we already, like, Lily... I have some really good people on my team. I used to teach them some great multitasking skills. So they're already in there in the interactive coverage map, looking at the person's home address, who's complaining about not having coverage at their home and drop calls. And they look up and we, we actually won awards on how advanced the, uh, the interactive coverage maps were in the industry. So we can get very, very, uh, detailed. And I, I can mm-hmm. tell, like we, we were not going to be able to tell this person that they're going to have better coverage anytime soon. Wow. But, well, here's what I can uh, see for you. I see that, uh, what, 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 where's your office at, your address, your business? Yada, yada. Okay, so, yes, at your home, you do. I, I agree with you. Your coverage is not great. Uh, I'm agreeing with you.
0: Mm-hmm. However,
1: and again, you don't like the word however, but but <laughs> actually, to your benefit, you have great coverage at your office. You have great coverage in town where see you're spending you most of your time. See what you just did? Day. See
0: what you just did when you eliminated the word however? Yeah. (laughs) You came up with something way better Mm -hmm. to your benefit. You
1: got me to catch myself. So but
0: see, this is the this is the magical part of the code. When you eliminate certain words, your brain will replace them with what you're the the seed that you're really trying to plant. Mm -hmm. To your benefit is what I call um, it's actually covered in rule in step number two, which is plant seeds of happiness. So after we address these three rules, we have three steps. Now, the first step is the first step is validate. Okay. You have to validate what the consumers say to you. Validation is the most powerful part of building the connection because see, we have a set of human needs and one of our basic human needs is the need to be heard. And what I always teach people is it's like we have this checklist in our head. And in order to be able to emotionally move on in a conversation, we have to check the box that says we've been heard. Mm -hmm. Now, are you able to, uh, can you pull up a super short video on YouTube? Yeah. On your little handy dandy share screen?
1: I could definitely do that.
0: I want you to pull up the video called "It's Not About the Nail." It's about a minute and a half. Let's just watch it real quick. Let I let think me bring the audience. Other screen. See- I, don't I don't have your giant.
1: For, for people listening to this show, by the way, I mean she's got this beautiful wide monitor. I have separate monitors, so I just drag stuff back and forth. But you do have a really cool monitor. But
0: you have the blue blockers.
1: I do have a lot of blue blockers. I'm not wearing them right now, <laughs> but uh, let's see here. Is it on your channel or?
0: No, uh, okay. just do a, do a, it's not about the nail and you should see a video come up approximately a minute 30 or a minute 40 in length.
1: All right. Let me go ahead and start sharing here. All right.
0: You're going to love this. Okay. This it's one? right there. Yes. You're going to absolutely love it.
1: Jason Heedley, Whoa. 17 million views. Oh yeah, baby. Wow. Okay. And I'm going to, are you going to talk your way through it? Because I can mute it. You're not going to be able to hear it. They, the listeners will be able to hear it. But Yeah, um, go. I'll
0: just wait till it's finished, and then you and I will chat.
1: Okay. Well, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Bringing it it's up. just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right Make up Make sure on you me.
0: rewind it back to the beginning. And oh, yeah?
1: All yeah, right. yeah. There we go. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And... And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them.
0: Yeah, I, that sounds really hard.
1: It is. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Ow! Come on, if you would just. Don't! <laughs> Alright, that was good. Keep on talking. So let's, okay. let's help our listeners on the podcast understand why we just watched this quick little video.
0: So we watched it because you could listen to me literally for hours talk about the power of validation and how much it is necessary. But I feel like this little video demonstrates that in a minute and a half, and it oh, does yeah. it in a way that all of us can – can relate to, whether we're a man, whether we're a woman, but you can see that what she really needed in that situation. I mean, obviously she needs to get the nail out of her head, Clearly, clearly. but before <laughs> she can even consider getting in the nail out of the head, what she needs is to be heard mm-hmm. because the moment that he even forced himself rolling his eyes to say, Oh, that must be hard. You know, he's faking it. He was, but He was, but it still worked because as soon as he did that, you see how she softened.
1: See, what we're talking about right now is something we, 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 we cracked the nut wide open. When we came back from coach that coaching training, I still remember to this day, the key word that we really started amplifying our training on was legitimate empathy, not textbook. Like, no, you, they could tell if you're faking it, but like something as simple as, okay, I can, I can definitely understand where you're coming from. I, I've, I've been in similar situations. I too, yes. I too, I too get dropped calls. I I'm with yes. you. It's frustrating for me anyway. It's frustrating. You don't, yes. you don't tell them that it's frustrating. You say, you know what? I've been frustrated by that. I don't know if that's been for you, but for me, I can definitely agree. I didn't enjoy that experience. So let's try and dig into this a little bit further and see what we can do that's uh, right. to help you have a better experience.
0: So let's put that together now. Um, That's perfect. So the step one of the process is you create a validation phrase and you even validate when someone's told you good news. Like, oh, hey, Scott, you're getting married. That's great news. I'm so happy for you. That's a validation. You know, I can see why you would be concerned about this. I can feel the frustration. It's a frustrating experience. Whatever your words are, it's just something that acknowledges that you've heard them because if you skip that step or you interrupt the consumer, what they're going to happen, what's going to happen is they're going to tell you their story from the beginning. And this time it's going to take them twice as long to tell it because they think you didn't hear them and they're going to add a lot more details. Now you know that's right.
1: It's totally right because this was an an inbound call center. So part of the reps uh, scoring and their analysis and how they were evaluated as an employee on a monthly basis was their average call times, obviously their quality assurance scores from the QA department as well as my analysis. Um, you know, their their attendance to schedule, you know, it, cause again, you're dealing with sometimes call centers that house 400 people. So, you know, every phone call is costing the company money, you know? Right. So the whole point here is, yes, I know you want to give really, really good, quick call times because it shows you resolve issues quickly by math. But to your point, which I was always trying to coach them on was like, guys, just let them go. Shh. Give them the cues that you're listening before you even try and overtalk them, like listening to your point. Because if you overtalk them, they're going to get more fired up. And then, yes, I can't tell you how many times that person next to you goes into the most robust explanation ever.
0: Yep. Yep. And it will get very dramatic. So (laughs) see, it's actually faster and the call times are shorter if you follow this strategy. Mm. So for example, you validate every point of the code is to get the person to emotionally move on to the next part of the conversation. And so validating that must be hard. I know that's difficult. Then you go to step two, which is planting a seed of happiness. Now planting a seed of happiness is simply three to five words that build a bridge in between the validation and the solution. Because step three is going to be use an action statement to give the solution. Mm -hmm. So it's just a bridge. You said it when I had you eliminate, however, you said it quite naturally. You said to your benefit. Mm-hmm. that's a seed of happiness because what seed did you plant? See, negative words plant a seed of a negative outcome. Right. So no, not, can't, won't. However, unfortunately, right. all of those words in the subconscious mind plant a seed of a negative outcome. I am not going to get what I want with this person. Yeah. Okay. Positive words benefit. Um, and then I want personalize
1: to- it with your, your benefit.
0: Yes to your benefit, that is a seed that a positive outcome is coming because what you've just said is you have benefits, Mm -hmm. right? So you, you say these few words to plant a seed of happiness. Like, you know what? I am happy to work this out. We want to make this right to your benefit. I am confident. Another one is one of my favorites. I've got great news. I've got great news. I see your work address here has excellent coverage. Let me ask you a question. Do you use this service more at your office or your home or wherever you would leave that there conversation? See, I, I know I'm a natural. I was a te- <laughs> I, you know, I was a I was a telemarketer like in my younger younger lady days and I was I became the number one telemarketer in this huge national marketing company and we were we were word for word scripted we had our quality assurance and all that. Mm-hmm. And I became the number one telemarketer because of the power of one word. Do you want to guess what the word was? Yes. <laughs> Close. <laughs> the word was okay. Hmm. So we were, we, this was 25 years ago, but we were, we were running this campaign trying to get people to so- sign up for caller ID. And the campaign was called try it before you buy it. So It sounds, we it sounds not- like the
1: late nineties.
0: It yeah, was it was early. It was ninety. That was my
1: first legit job, by the way, like a career. I was in a well, again, not telemarketing, but I was in another inbound call center company.
0: Call center. Yeah. That's what I was in. T- call center. And we did both incoming, and we did a lot of outbound calling. But we were calling, um, we were calling Illinois Bell, uh, Ameritech. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. Ameritech at the time. So they were like the big five, the big five bells. Yeah, yeah, the
1: know? Ma Bell's. Yeah. Pa- uh, so Pacific Bell, I- Atlantic Bell, Bell Atlantic. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. I used to call 9X, which was New York, New, new York. New oh, North yeah. North. We
1: are definitely, because I'm 41. I was born 77. I'm 45. Oh, yeah. 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 So anyway, <laughs>
0: caller ID was new. No one what knew what it was. And we needed to get people to sign up for caller ID. And the campaign was called Try It Before You Buy It. But we were not allowed to say the word try. And hmm. so our script was, let's go ahead and get you signed up. And all I did, and I and I never got busted for this. Um, I said, "Let's go ahead and get you signed up today, okay?" Now, when you hear that word "okay," what does what do you follow up with most of the time?
1: Sure. Yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When someone see the power of conditioned responses, when I learned that, it was very um, it was very awakening to me because see what the reason I became number one was because I would say, "Let's go ahead and get you signed up today, okay?" Mm-hmm. And then the person just automatically says, okay. Yeah, like they, they can catch don't themselves. Yeah. Right. Before they can catch them. It was a free service, by the way. I know, you know which is but- funny.
1: Like people, <laughs> but, but, but uh, uh, back to psychology, people are afraid to drastic change. Well, so you it was to ease free, the process.
0: It was free for like 30 days. And then it was like, nine dollars a month or three dollars a month or whatever it was that, you know. afterwards but you know you had to have the little display unit and it was very yeah. confusing people didn't understand what do you mean i can see their name on the phone i
1: remember all this
0: you it's, know like
1: because we we worked uh, i worked for a company back then it was called info nxx and we were the primary outsourcer for well now verizon but back then bell atlantic mobile's uh okay. first launch of 411 directory assistance Okay. our founders, a startup company, developed the first enhanced directory assistance. So we were actually giving out like movie listings over the phone when you called in to get a phone number from directory right. assistance. So that's
0: hilarious. Yeah. See, I, it's, it's amazing that both of us were in these call centers and we both like pretty much make a make a living talking. I mean, it's just who we were meant to be. So, I mean, this was like where, where I started learning. I mean, obviously my education went much more into neurology, psychology, and neurochemistry, Mm -hmm. but see the power of words is very strong. And so you, you say those words, you build that bridge, you know, I'm really confident I've got great news. And then you present whatever, whatever solution you have, by saying what you can do for them, it's such a simple process, and um, I've really transformed so many companies just by teaching them the power of these rules and these steps. I was
1: just discussing this on another podcast uh, last week, where we were talking about this. Everything you're everything you're teaching, it's not it's not just uh, internally for a company's communication processes, but it's a classic tra- uh, transcription for. The sales and marketing process. Like if you step into a sales situation in a transactional mindset, you will fail. Right. It's been proven time and time again. I'll be traveling in upstate New York this week up north of Albany, uh, to go do some meetings for my client because, and these people know who I am because the first five, 10 minutes at least of the meeting has nothing to do with business. Nothing. I'm catching up. I have notes in my system that I've always I memorize when I leave the meeting. I, I add them in because we we use Salesforce for their their core application. So there's personal lifestyle notes. I know about their kids. I know about uh, do they mountain bike? Do they ski? Uh, do they like to grill meats? Like the one guy I'm going to go meet with, he's a buyer who influ- influences probably f- four to five million dollars worth of purchases a year. And last time I was up there, I bought him a bottle of olive oil because he was going back to old school, uh, charcoal, uh, grilling. And I was talking about how everything tastes better with this amazing olive oil that I ordered from Italy. Yes, I'm sure so it I does. ordered an extra bottle <laughs> and brought it up to him as a gift. So right. he has since, because- he has since signed a, a $250,000 in orders since that time for my client. So it's like, this is
0: classic, um, <laughs> classic how to win friends and influence people. Yeah. You know, it's like everything you say, everything you do, every word that comes out of your mouth, every action you take, and every choice you make is either serving to create a deeper connection and, and, or it's serving to drive a disconnection. Right. And so all of those calls that were getting transferred to those save teams is because it was just disconnection after disconnection after disconnection. And I would say that even a lot of people. Um, from the point of getting calling in wanting to cancel their service or whatever they wanted to do might even be more pissed by the time they get transferred to you because they're feeling like they're not being listened to well and the biggest not thing was happening to create a connection
1: a, a lot of the reps because i because i had started coaching in the customer service the general queue before being advanced into the save queue to to, to launch that new department and the biggest thing that I was always teaching people, i like, guys, I was where you were, and now I'm running this department with these other coaches. It's You guys are the same people. Yes, they're being paid a little bit more because they're going to get beat up a little bit more. But if you would just feel and own that empowerment a little bit more, and then the other biggest thing was everybody would just throw credits at the problem. Like, first of all, you're costing the company money just because you're approved to issue a, up, up to a certain dollar amount credit to somebody's account doesn't mean you just start tossing it out there because money does not actually fix the root cause problem. You, right. You did not hear them. Did right. they, they didn't call in saying – the call didn't start saying, I need to have my service credited now. Sometimes they do. But mm-hmm. more often than not, even if, they, even if it did start that way, you didn't allow – your point, you didn't allow them to listen. You didn't listen to hear, okay, well, yeah, wow, okay, so clearly there's a problem. So let's – please, please tell me what, what's going on. I mean – catch me up. And right. a lot of times they'll be like, well, I've called in five other times. All the notes should be in your system. Okay, great. You know, please allow me some time to bring those notes up. If you want, feel free to start catching me up while I re research that it's, right. it's a process. Like you're saying it's a process, but if you keep just issuing dollar credits and the person's complaining that they have no coverage at their house, right? You can issue all the credits in the world; it's not going to ever address the root cause problem.
0: <laughs> well, and you're conditioning them to expect a credit every time they call in.
1: And then eventually so they will that, hit they will hit a dollar limit because you can't keep issuing credits. And right. then that Now the customer's pissed again because now they can't. It doesn't. Keep getting it's free just money.
0: like what I was saying; it doesn't solve the real issue. And so that's yeah, that's like the little brief overview of the code. And I love it. Why I, and I, I've just had miraculous results using this and, and, you know, I use it. I I know the cell phone environment is a tough one, but I assure you it does not compare to the calls that my reps have to take. No, you're a, you're a collections
1: agency. It's wow. That's a, that's a high talent. Now, granted you're helping companies collect on, and trust me, my fiance does not, she has an office manager who does their collections. So they don't outsource. Mm -hmm. Um, they're a small business, but a lot of small businesses, that's where you're losing a lot of money and
0: they, they really do. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because debt is, you know, we've already talked about the psychological burden that debt creates on the consumer side, Mm -hmm. but we didn't, what we didn't talk about is the psychological burden it is when someone owes you money. So, you know, Scott, has anyone ever owed you money? Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's like the the psychological burden lies in the fact of when you have that twinge in your gut that tells you, okay, this person probably isn't going to pay me back. Mm-hmm. And it feels awkward. It it creates a disconnect in the relationship that can be hard to recover from. It, it's interesting because- Because the person
1: avoids you. It, it, nowadays, I, number one, I don't lend people money. Um, but even if I did, or there was people who never paid it, I just- it's water under the bridge, I move on now. Because like, listen, once you've chosen to give the money away, it's no longer your money. I, now, some people don't agree to disagree with that, but like, okay, you, yes, they owe you money, but you also chose to take the risk to lend them the said money.
0: It's so true. You know, and I would say <laughs> it takes a certain wisdom and maturity to come to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. You know, on the other hand, I know a lot of people who are really good at convincing you that you can lend them the money and that for sure it's a sales
1: process
0: (laughs) right and so it you're right ultimately it is in the choice the 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 decision lands in the choice of the person who gave the money Mm -hmm. but you know it's those are decisions that can be manipulated and my point is like it definitely also causes some stress chemicals to be surged up if someone owes you money. You know, I know that your fiance is a veterinarian. I remember uh, I had this doctor client, I'll never forget some of the stories because she would be so emo- emotionally attached. To the people who owed her money and she one time she called me up and she was extremely pissed off because this police officer had pulled her over and given her a ticket for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. but he owed her money and she could not process this, you know, like. I am his doctor, you know, I did X, Y, Z for him. He never even paid me. Like, how dare he, he still has
1: to do his job. That's a different transaction. She was not
0: processing it this way and see, she was very attached. And then in another case, um, it was somebody and she had saved their life. They had some very rare illness and mm. she was the only person who could figure it out and he didn't pay, but see, she was taking it very personally that these people were not paying for her. And so
1: I'm just saying that that burden exists on both sides of the dollar. It's interesting because with my fiance, I I've learned a lot. Still not great at it, but I do need to listen. That's part of today's call, right? Communication is listening first and I hear her talking about that one or two pain in the ass client and they pay slow and and they're always it's always that that's always the client who's also a pain in the butt. Right, so right. I, I'm the biggest thing that I'm. I I wait, and I I just I said, okay, I hear you. It definitely sounds frustrating. Uh, what would you like me to do about it? And she's like, <laughs> nothing. You're doing it right now. You just, just I just needed to vent. I said, okay. Because like,
0: as a man, and let's be honest, does your mind immediately want to jump to telling her how to solve the oh, problem? Oh yeah!
1: Because we're fixers. It's a it's a thing are, that that YouTube video, video you had us watch it. was perfect. Because yeah. I've had to get – I have to consciously – conscious communication um, – I have to consciously catch myself. Like, uh, 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 don't say a word. Don't say a word. She's not asking you. If she comes across and says, what can we do about this? Or I need your help to do this. that All right, now she's opened the gate and allowed me to join in. I still need to listen first. Uh, but I can't tell you how many times I've thrown it. I'm like, baby, just fire your client. And she's yeah. like, what do you mean? I'm like – it's your business. It's your choice to continue serving them. And I said, I know you love the animals and you don't want to have an animal go without having proper care. Uh, and, and one of these clients, she said, oh, yeah, well, this, she's already gone through every other vet. No other vet will work with her. I'm like, okay, so right. they were all smart enough to eventually let her go. You are a highly intelligent woman. I said, eventually, it sounds like you guys will also reach that same solution. So it's like, well, um,
0: every every veterinarian that I've ever worked with are extreme nurturers. Oh yes, they are extremely nurturing people, and so they they are not uh, necessarily. And doctors are the same way, which is they don't one like of business. Re- <laughs> well, exactly. So I I often um, I I like it when doctors have a manager or a management practice that does not involve their spouse.
1: Because yes I, <laughs> I, I I run I'm the social like, media and and the email marketing and that's it
0: well and, what I'll what I'll see a lot is a male doctor or a male vet that has the wife as the business manager it's not a good combination no because you know they're they're not making decisions the same way that someone with you know a business degree yeah. is going to make decisions no, so they, it's, just,
1: it's an all-female practice like when that when her and her co-founder left their, their old boss years ago, he was a chauvinistic pig. Um, never met the guy, but I mean, I'm just hearing this from stories and and I've heard it through other people who haven't worked for him. So it was a good move, but even the office, her current office manager, that woman left with them to help them start the business. And she's always been the backbone of the business. I mean, she tells me all the time, she's like, if we didn't have her, She's like, I don't know how we would run the business because they don't. They want to focus on the doctor stuff and not deal with any. Yes, uh, of that.
0: and you know, I I say that often. Uh, you, you want the doctor focused on the medical yeah. part of it, and you want a business office that runs seamlessly and smoothly. And just like everything in business, it's all about policy and procedures. And so, so my thought process is, you can put processes towards your communication and things that create so much consistency, because another thing that I see as issue in customer service is the inconsistency. Mm -hmm. You know, how many times do you call and you're looking for help and you get told one solution and there's just something in your belly that says it doesn't sound quite right. Well, that's what I did
1: for T-Mobile. We were, again, that methods and procedures teams, we had a, Uh back in the day, everybody called it intranet, not the internet, but we called our, our system was called streamline. So it was a massive, internal website that all departments had access to. And certain things were obviously niched to certain departments, but anybody in the company could go in there and look up a, a model of a phone or they could keyword search a complaint and it give it. And then we would constantly be looking at the process flows, optimizing them, tweaking them. We would do focus groups to find ways to keep speeding it up and improving it and taking the feedback from the frontline employee, the call center. So that was, that was what I was doing. I was constantly going back And improving those said processes, because by policy, you have to be go in there and follow that. And if you don't like following it, because it doesn't make sense, then help us fix it. But that was to your point, you have 11 call centers, not including the outsourced call centers, they would actually because they they couldn't even handle enough call volume in their own owned call centers. So we actually outsourced to four additional companies. And they were like mini T-Mobile call centers. Like if you actually visited them, they literally branded themselves as a T-Mobile call center. Right. It was cool, but they followed our systems. So our methods and procedures.
0: Very good. Yeah. It sounds like you guys had a great thing going.
1: It, it, I learned a lot. It was a great, it was actually probably the, that was my biggest spike I think in professional education was cause I started in that company as a, as a phone guy. Like that was it. Uh-huh. I came in back in the day, it was called OmniPoint here on the East coast. And on the West Coast, it was Western Wireless. And then they all became VoiceStream Wireless. And then VoiceStream was eventually acquired by Deutsche Telekom from the Germany. And because internationally, T-Mobile was everywhere. And then VoiceStream became T-Mobile USA. So there's your quick history lesson. (laughs) (laughs) I went through all of that. (laughs) So a lot of fun stuff learned. But yes, I could tell you, in the VoiceStream days and the OmniPoint days, they didn't understand wording. They didn't understand... I mean, there's a lot of no's and however,
0: representatives are just kind of told to get on the phone and and create a certain outcome, but I don't know who's creating the scripting, what kind of research they're doing. And, you know, I just, I just have seen such, you know, like I said, creating ultimate consistency Mm -hmm. is, is a game changer. If you have
1: every person- To your point, how are you supposed to scale? Like if you try to grow a company or grow a footprint or grow a brand- goes back to your, your systems.
0: Consistency you- is definitely key. And there's just so many other things. And also you're, when you're, you're taming down the fight or flight that's existing in your reps, which makes their happiness factor go up. So our in our employee retention went through the roof. Mm. We had happier reps. We had less complaints. We had uh, eliminated lawsuits. Our clients were happier. The consumers were happier. Our revenue grew in the first year alone by 34%. That's actually huge growth. Oh yeah. And that year was from 2005 to 2006. We had 34% revenue growth. Well,
1: what you're talking about, because um, I kind of hinted at it earlier, when they switched us to coaches, the next thing that also happened was besides the fact that I eventually helped I was one of the people that helped launch this whole saved uh, department we also had to create a whole new hiring practices because mm-hmm. we had new hired call center reps went through a 7 week onboarding training cycle you know how much money that costs
0: We do the same here we right. have a we have a business boot camp that that all new hires go through
1: Well and then so you know you so you know what it costs <laughs> time mm-hmm. right time is money Now, then you find out that you have an 11% employee attrition rate. That's a lot of money getting flushed down the toilet. So we took it upon ourselves that once we became coaches was, okay, the initial hiring is crucial. Like, okay, HR is doing the best they can, but we're still not seeing the right talent come through. Great. If people can make it through the seven-week training, wonderful. And then they get to the call center floor, and they suck, and they're gone in 90 days. Right. How much money do you spend on that 90-day loss, not including the seven-week training before the 90-day loss? So we we were constantly retooling that process and make sure the right talent was making through because you can't just put bodies in a seat. Some people just aren't meant to be a call center employee and take inbound calls. I mean, it's just that the talent is not meshing up. But then once they are there, to your point, retaining an employee – is cheaper than having to acquire a new one. So through the coaching process, through the language we use, what are we doing to career path that employee? Um, Some employees might just be happy being reps, but you need to talk to them and figure out what they want out of their job or out of their career. I had people that they wanted to be, this woman just actually friended me yesterday. This is funny, we're talking about it. She's been there for 17 years with that company. Wow. Still a rep. No management, no advancement, just a rep. And she literally has the T Mobile T tattooed on her arm. Wow, that's crazy. I was like, I what? They don't get bought out. <laughs> so I, I accepted her friend request because I haven't seen her in years. But I, I, I start going through the photos. I'm like, I messed like, Is that real? And she said, Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. That is, that is a passionate employee. So that's something you want to keep with your organization. And that's rare in the big corporate space these days. So. Um, I mean, I don't know how long you've had your employees, but hopefully a while.
0: Most of them have been over 10 years and the company's been in existence for 20. So again, so, you're, okay. you're
1: putting the right culture, the right communication. Um, people feel like they're a part of something bigger. I hope.
0: Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. Okay. So I have a dinner to get to. Yes, and I have another also, podcast, So you got to get to that other podcast, but I want to let you know that, um, we did give you a link with a free uh, workbook that if somebody wants to download that, it has all the rules and the steps and it'll teaches you how to put the process together for yourself.
1: Is that also linked from your website or is that only through that special link?
0: Only through that special
1: link. Okay. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be putting that special link in the show notes like we always do on LiveTheField.com when this episode airs. So when you hear this, uh, make sure you go to the article and- Use the link. So,
0: yeah. And um, the the whole method is also right in the book, Conscious Communications. It's in the, um, I believe it's in the introduction section of the book. So you can learn it there as well.
1: And also, since I was already on your site, you got some upcoming events we chatted about before starting the show. So I figured I'd at least do a little final screen share here. You do a lot oh, of live you know what? training. It
0: looks like these are, we do do a, live, a lot of live trainings. Looks like these are all the ones that have just actually passed. You yeah. Gotta, well, no, you got the 25th like-
1: coming up impact.
0: Okay. Oh yeah. Impact yeah. live three. That's in uh, Toronto. That's a Toronto. That's the one right after that is going to be, um, now these are still available. This one here with this, uh, Robin. Wow. Mm. She is incredible.
1: Oh, this one um, you already had earlier yeah, this month.
0: She, yeah. We had that one and, um, I've got the recording of it. Of course she is incredible. I've got one coming up uh, in a few days about influencer marketing that I'm really excited about.
1: Ooh. I like that cuz like we're we're both influencers so I'm intrigued. To, so is that now when you do that these are only live events or do you do like the webinar factors?
0: We what we do is we do them live so they using Zoom so it's a webinar style people can sign yeah. up if they sign up they'll get the replay. If they don't want to sign up they can watch it uh live on Facebook or they can go dig up the recording on Facebook. But you know Facebook uh past live recordings are not always the easiest to find. So no. Probably easiest if you sign up because then we send you the replay. And once you have the replay, it's yours forever. I like and, that. Uh, we do definitely do little 30 to one-hour trainings um, probably about once a week, once every other week.
1: Awesome. Well, uh, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you go check out her uh, speaking and events and stay up to, up to speed on that and definitely opt in. It's, it's, it's not the end of the world, people. You can opt into an email. It'll be Okay. <laughs> um, you can always unsubscribe later. So you can always (laughs) opt right back out. Exactly. And I've done that. Um, but listen, I want to make sure you get to your dinner. Uh, but obviously just like last time, I always want to make sure you have a chance to close out the show, any kind of final all encompassing. You, you have such great energy when it comes to the spiritual concept and these conscious communications as your book is. So is there an all encompassing message right now, as we're going through October into November that you'd like to share with our audience?
0: You know, I think that it's just a perfect thing to say after wrapping up, talking about this communication code is that, you know, the more every moment in life, moment to moment, every communication that you're making it serves as a moment to build a deeper connection with another human being. And if you keep that in mind, you, you can realize the power, the true power of connection. And, you know, I'll just say it again. I can't say enough about validation. Super important.
1: I do love that. Thank you. Awesome. Well, listen, I'm, I'm going to give you a proper goodbye off the air. Ladies and gentlemen, MaryShores.com. All right? I, th- I love all the lessons we shared today, especially the, the last closing comment there on the importance of validation. So, uh, And I'll go ahead and say it as my own self-work. Start listening better, people. I, I'm, I'm trying to do it all the time. <laughs> so thanks for tuning in to another powerful Live the Fuel show. We're here to fuel your health, your business, your lifestyle. MaryShores.com. Thanks for listening, gang. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Hey there, Live the Fuel listeners. This is Scott Mulvaney, your chief intrepid officer, your podcast co-host and founder of Live the Fuel. Just want to take one to two minutes more of your time and give you a little extra value at the end of each of these episodes. Uh, First off, I wanted to make sure you guys got over to LiveTheFuel.com and actually took advantage of my Super 7's resource guide. It's a free offer. And it just gives you uh, 21 different resources to fuel your own health, business, and or lifestyle success Just some of the tools and applications that I've used and books that I've read uh, over the years to help me grow in a personal and a professional mindset. Now, while you're on the website, hop on over to the supported brands section. I created a new section on the website just to promote brands that I grow and have trusted in my personal and my professional life. I mean, there's, there's applications on there that I use in business-wise, but more importantly, healthy lifestyle-wise, there's companies that I've had founders on this show. Just a quick name drop them. You got Eat Pilly Nuts, you got Pure Vitamin Club, you got my connection with isogenics since 2010, since I was wild and firefighting. Love to be able to help you get healthy and fit, lose weight or improve your athletic performance, or heck, in my case, I'm 40 now, age better. And uh, another quick little plug on there is Villa Capelli. Love their olive oil. And real quick note, Villa Capelli and EPilly Nuts, I have my own discount code. So go to lilyfuel.com, click on the Supporter Brands section to get into the resources page, and you'll see my discount code. So enjoy that. Now, while you're on the website too, I've also now built another new tool for you guys, Fuel Library. So the Fuel Library is obviously as it says. It's a library of the either digital audiobooks from Audible or physical books that I've either purchased, uh, borrowed, consumed, etc. cetera. Uh, heck, even actually half of these authors i have actually now had on the podcast. So feel free to go to Fuel Library. I've divided it into health, business, and lifestyle-directed sections, and I've been building that out. I'm still looking to add a lot more content because there's tons of authors and amazing books out there. So, again, go check that out as well. And then uh, two last things for you. One. Please, if you get a chance, get over to iTunes and give this show a review. It's going to help us grow the exposure and help other people out there in the world find, live the fuel, and also find these amazing co-hosts I bring on here to help them influence and hopefully positively change their health goals, their fitness goals, their business startup goals, their lifestyle, etc. So please submit a review. I would love to be able to start reading your reviews on a future podcast. And the last thing I'm going to go in here with is my disclaimer. I'm throwing disclaimer in because honestly, I talk a lot about health on this show and business and obviously health and fitness impacts your lifestyle. So please, if you are suffering from a medical illness a disease, etc. Remember, podcasts in general do not replace professional advice. So, if you have concerns, please go obviously consult a professional. I do bring amazing professionals on this show, but in the end, this is free content that we're sharing over the podcast world. This does not replace obviously a one-on-one consultation, whether it be with a business consultant, a uh, a lifestyle coach, etc., or obviously a health or medical doctor. So, again, that's just my quick disclaimer. This is free content take it as such but please see your professionals thanks for listening gang talk to you guys again soon thank you for subscribing to live the fuel stay connected on facebook twitter and instagram at live the fuel and remember you too can live the fuel so please visit us at livethefuel.com.